1: My name is Andrew Counsel. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a Black male and go to bed as a Black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how.
0: All right, welcome to uh, UF5O. Uh, this is our first one for the year of 2023, and I appreciate those of you that are joining us for the first time. And for those of you that have been followers and kind of hanging there with us, welcome back. Um, as usual, just so you know, my name is BJ Council, uh, I have UN50, and UN50 is a business that primarily uh, helps to train community members, primarily black and brown individuals on how to safely interact with law enforcement. We use UN50 to have different types of discussions uh, because I believe as a retired police executive that it's larger than law enforcement. So we talk about uh, issues concerning mental health Um things that drive crime that don't necessarily rest at the doorstep of law enforcement. So the conversation is, again, like I said, I believe is much bigger than law enforcement. The discussions can be comfortable or uncomfortable, and that's what we try to do here. Uh, Today, I'm really excited uh, because I have two individuals who, uh, one, I, I, I met because someone introduced me or showed me her opinion piece in a U.S. Today piece. And then another one is uh, a team member that just joined the team there. So I'm going to introduce first uh, Miss Finesse Moreno-Rivera. Uh, again, a friend of mine named Addie, who I work with, introduced me to her based on an article that she wrote for the U.S. US today paper that was uh, issued on November 20th of 2022 and the title of police kill far too many people during traffic stop we must change why stops are made and in that article that kind of caught my eye was teaching people how to safely interact and it was like ding 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 and um she has a psychology; she has a b.a psychological in, in, in psychology university of kentucky uh i think a master's uh finesse in forensics uh, uh, from Rogers Williams, and she does work with state and federal on conducting research. What brought me to her besides the article was the data. And so, Vanessa uh, you want to kind of take it from there and tell us a little bit about yourself before I get too far down that rabbit hole and not give you your kudos like I'm supposed to.
2: You've done done a great job. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about today's discussion. Um, You know, I will say I've always had a passion for criminal justice, specifically looking at evidence-based policy and utilizing data to make our streets safer. Specifically, though, for people of color. So, again, you know, I have strived to continue to work on my writing as well as my speaking, I and mean, then bringing this to the forefront and just having a voice for our community. So, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks. I mean, and, and that's exactly. I think before we started talking, uh, before we started doing the, just before we started doing this, we were talking about a saying We're three women of color, and we're talking about our community, and trying to have these difficult conversations sometimes can be uncomfortable. And so what we're going to be doing may end up annoying some of you, uh, but we're going to be doing it in uh, a manner that we believe is going to save your life and inform you as to how to move through the space of police reform and what that looks like. And that's what we want to help you with. Uh, The other person here is Kelly Childress. Uh, She is a (laughs) UN50 team member. Uh, has a master's <laughs> in sociology with a concentration in criminology, graduate of UNC Greensboro here in North Carolina. Uh, Some of her topics that she used was the prison-to-school uh, prison pipeline, racial bias in policing, and reentry programs for formerly incarcerated women. Uh, and she has a passion for data. So she now, again, is a part of the UN50 team crunching numbers, and we're going to kind of get into that a little bit too, because she's looking at the Washington Post, uh, fatal shooting data. She's actually going through that, so we can start looking at that and having a conversation uh, about that data. So, Kelly, you want to kind of share a little bit about yourself if you want Yeah.
2: On.
1: So, I am a graduate, um, as BJ said, um, from UNCG Greensboro with a criminology background. Uh, My interest is really in um, data as well as looking at um, formerly incarcerated Black women. And so that's what I did my thesis there on and looking at life history interviews. So along with the data, I also am into like qualitative um, analysis and doing life history interviews. But yeah, so as BJ said, I'm looking at the Washington Post data for her right now to kind of just see um, what kind of information we can pull from that. How are people responding to law enforcement? as well as um, how our law enforcement responding to their community.
0: So, yeah. Thanks. Vanessa, since I kind of ran you down <laughs> after I saw that <laughs> article, uh, let's talk about that article because it really kind of got, obviously it piqued my interest because you you also, like I said, in, in the opinion piece talked about we, we got to figure out how to interact with law enforcement, you know, the community itself. But I also want to, I think you also talked about the fact that using Traffic stops to to make money. I think you might have said something about that, or how traffic stops are used in particular communities. Uh, can go ahead and just kind of talk about that article, just so people go, And, and again, it it was uh, November twentieth, twenty two. Uh, if anybody wants to read the article, please go go take a look at the at the opinion piece. But I kind of want her to kind of talk about what led her to that particular piece.
2: Sure. So, you know, honestly, whenever you're writing an article, you're just going through and using anything that you see on a newsfeed. And as soon as I saw something about police killing, you know, more individuals now within this year, or excuse me, last year, um, within the past decade, that just really upset me because I'm thinking, what's going on? You know, we just lost George Floyd. You would think that with all these police reforms going on that we wouldn't be see, seeing, you know, police killing three or more people a day. Right. And so when I started to dig within the data, the open source data, which thank you so much for mapping police violence provides and having a data background and being able to analyze that, I was like, hold on a minute. A lot of these are just based off of minor, um, minor uh, crimes, such as traffic stops. I'm thinking that can't be good because as we all know now that Black and Brown people are disproportionately stopped more so than non-color individuals as it is. So I'm thinking, okay, something, I got to dig into this data a little bit more. And sure enough, what I was finding was that we are losing a lot of individuals on the side of the road, whether they were compliant or non-compliant. And a lot of times the individuals who were supposedly had a weapon didn't, which was really, really You know, just for you know, unfortunate. But then, what's more troubling is that when you're looking into the analysis and all of the grant funding and the money that's funneled into the police departments, we're losing individuals' lives based off of money. That's what this is based Mm -hmm. off of. It's because thinking about you know, how they're being funded and, you know, how the town is being funded. It is literally based off of traffic violations. And not only is it putting citizens, specifically Black and Brown citizens, more danger of losing their lives, given the fact that sometimes, yes, they are non-compliant, but you got to think about our history with police. You know, you get tired, you get tired of having the compliant one. But nevertheless, here we are losing our lives based off of money. It is based off of money, and that just needs to stop because not only are we losing our lives, but so are police officers. And it's become mm-hmm. just way too dangerous, way, way, way too dangerous for everyone involved.
0: Right? Yeah. You know, and I appreciate you know you you saying that about, and and that's not. And I want folks, to, at least from my perspective as a police officer, that doesn't happen in all communities uh, because, especially in police, when you're talking about. Uh, I guess I'll use the word progressive police departments because we're not interested in we're telling if you have a progressive police department there basically should be or I would hope that they're telling their officers now regulatory vehicle violations is a mute point at this point you know my my tail light out my brake lights out should not be a reason that you you're pulling me over because or either my registration because obviously if I can't afford to get it fixed I certainly can't afford a $200 ticket you know, saying unless there's something else to go along with that, you're a suspect in a a, a violent crime, whatever, but just to be pulling it over because of that. And then we find out it's part of the community coffers. That's when it it becomes, and it does have an impact on marginalized folks, because obviously I'm going to a $9 job and all my stuff in my car is not working
2: and Mm -hmm. I got to get to work.
0: And I don't like the police to begin with. And then, so my attitude toward you is going to be pretty much kind of rough. So now the officers on the defense, he's he or she's concerned about their lives. And then, you know, like you said, somebody may end up getting injured and or killed. So yeah, it's, it's, people don't really think about it uh, that gradually, but that really is, that's it. in our history. Yeah. So and then you we know. got Ke- Kelly looking at it from you know the the stuff that the Washington Post is is looking at who who mm-hmm. we're interacting with and and from that perspective. So based on what she just said, Kelly and the work that you're doing for UN50, what 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 do you have to say about that as well? Um.
1: So. I guess when you were um, speaking, Vanessa, I was really thinking about why officers stop people for these minor violations. Um, because a lot of, like we had, you had spoken about, a lot of these crimes are minor, minor things. We're not looking at major crimes. We're looking, we're stopping people for minor violations, traffic, not traffic stops, but like lights out, tail lights, and that kind of stuff. And so, what is the from from the officer's point of view? Is there an ulterior motive, like you said, is there money involved or are we hoping to find that that person had a warrant? So, for example, I saw one particular case in The Washington Post where the officer um, stopped him for a traffic violation, but then found that he had a warrant or found some other situation. So is it that I guess I guess that's what I'm trying to say, if that makes sense, trying to put in. Mm
2: -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, whenever I was looking at the data source, mm-hmm. I actually coded it on my own. So I coded it by mental illness as well as alcohol suspected alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. I also coded it by um, the officer having an actual reason to stop an individual. Yeah, so there was out there was a call of service out. Um, or then also I had it for there was no reason that was um, given for the officer stopping the vehicle. You have to understand. Mm. With this data set, and I went through all 700 cases, is wow. that a mm-hmm. time that police officers were reporting that they just stopped an individual. And we have no idea why. The media outlets mm. say why, but then also in a lot of cases, the police departments. Refused to give the information as to why the officer was stopping the individual, or mm-hmm. said they would hold that information. So there is mm-hmm. definitely a lot of transparency within the data that I was working with, but it was very interesting to have that and be able to capture that and say,
1: "Yeah,
2: why don't you want to release the reason why the officer was stopping someone anyway?" So, so that's um, yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's an interesting
1: point that we bring up with the data. Um, so there are data sets where there are not, they're volunteers. So not everybody, not or, every organization has to opt into them. So when we're talking about like the community and looking at data, I think that there needs to be, like you said, some transparency and understanding that, hey, what if your community is not opting into the data that's been reported out to people? So I think that's important too, that the community is aware that that, your part of your community or part of your state or local government is might not be opting in to that data, or there might be stuff that they're withholding from the data in terms of what crime looks like in your community.
0: Man, you guys, mm-hmm. you, you guys are doing it right, right, right the way I want you to do it. But, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely I, right. I,
2: <laughs> Go ahead. What do you say, for that? This is awesome. Sorry, PJ, because yeah. I always, right before you on this call, Kelly, I was looking <laughs> to the FBI, right? We all yeah. know they, you know, collect every year UCR data. Mm-hmm. Well, they announced seven years ago that they were going to go over to a new system, the NIBRS system, mm-hmm. which collects more data, more detailed mm-hmm. data. And again, seven years ago, the government invested millions of dollars to ensure that local police departments, which we know, there are over 18,000 yeah. the U.S., yep. were able to make this transition without mm-hmm. any issue. They had at enough time. Yet we were still seeing municipalities such as New York, California, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, who did not report any data for the year of 2020. So when the FBI released their report mm-hmm. in 2021, we had a lot of data missing. We had a lot oh. of data missing. So we still don't yeah. even know, <laughs> we still don't know what's going on when it comes to our violent oh. crime. And yeah. we had to think midterms just ended. And a lot of our politicians were really touting about, you know, being tough on crime. That's a huge, huge point.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: point. Yet we all know that we have incomplete data. So I think that (laughs) it definitely, I'm so happy you brought this up, Kelly, that Mm -hmm. there is, you know, it's not mandatory for our law enforcement, you know, entities Mm -hmm. to be reporting their data. And if they're not mandatory, then all we're getting is all these voluntary, you know, numbers. And we're just working yeah. with what we have. So I'm so happy that you brought that up. Yeah, I'm so happy that you
0: brought that up. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> I, you guys, okay, this is cool. I want to get, I want to, uh, first of all, there are two mm-hmm. things I want to jump that you, you talked about the community. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about. The health of the community understand you can ask your local agency, what are you tracking? And if you're not tracking what you think they need to be tracking, then you need to ask them to track that. I mean, That's, I mean yeah, there, okay. there, there, there's a power thing there. There's the youth community and then the elected officials. If you want your aid, you want to know, and why aren't you reporting to this to the FBI? Mm-hmm. You want them to report be a part of that. And I think I'm also going to get to I'm also surprised you said New York, because I, what I was getting ready to say, finesse, was that a lot of stuff, uh, and this is gonna be a plug for you guys. That especially small <laughs> agencies and our budget don't have the capability of having someone to sit in and do crime analysis so if anybody yeah. needs yeah. anybody knows a small agency i got two <laughs> women right here they can do the data, can crunch some data for you <laughs> uh, i mean because really that that's going to help you as a community figure out what's happening in your mm. law enforcement agency and then yeah. also when you talk and um i, I want to get back to the new york thing because i'm really surprised at that but um we gotta we gotta make sure community members understand you can ask this. Uh and also law enforcement leadership can say to its officers the low-hanging fruit, like regulatory violations, don't bother. They, they can do that. They they can do that as leaders. I can tell my officers, I don't want you out here stopping for inspection stickers, I don't want you out here stopping for taillights, unless, of course, a vehicle fits the, fits the description of you know, something a major crime, I mean that that's a good way to stop. I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with that. But just to be doing that, that is that is a directive that law enforcement leadership can in fact tell their officers to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so, they, they 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 that is something so they that, can do. Yeah. I mean that that's something they can do. Um because especially in, in small towns and small communities, I if my tail lights out and I'm going to a you know a job and I gotta decide on you know, lights out or tail fixing my tail light in my car. I'm paying mm-hmm. for my lights at my house. You know, <laughs> you pulling me over and giving me a three hundred dollar ticket mean I can't now I can't go to work, still can't get my car fixed, and ain't nobody want nothing. Um so
2: go ahead. You. you just you yeah. know, you're like, you know, I can say that as as the leadership. I can say, don't worry about, you know, X, Y and Z. Do you think that due to the whole movement of defunding the police and the lack of police that we're seeing on the streets now because they are leaving in droves, do you think that that may be impacting you know, anything that we're seeing with, you know, stopping individuals or just or not even stopping anyone. I've, I've read multiple articles where police have just been like, you know, their hands up in the air and said, you know what? No, nope, I'm not even going to stop anybody. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I just read an article and I, I don't know where it was, but uh, I'm OK with that. I think individuals leaving the organization and the industry right now probably need to go anyway. I think it's a positive thing because yeah. if, yeah. if you're saying that you're mad because now I'm telling you you can't do X, then actually it's called protective serve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you know I'm saying? We, so if, you, yeah, if you're yeah. just here just to write people tickets and do law enforcement, then you're kind of missing the whole point of what law enforcement yeah. is about. So if you're mm-hmm. throwing your hands up and saying, they tie my hands, they can't do my job, but well, doing mm-hmm. your job and writing tickets ain't exactly what they're supposed yeah. to be doing. I'm supposed to be helping people in crisis. So, yeah, I'm and, okay with people you. running out the dough because the people <laughs> running out the dough, in my opinion, aren't the ones that need to be hit anyway. So go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, i was I was gonna
1: pick you back on your point because I think we might have been reading the same article um because at the end of the article he had mentioned, he said that basically police officers um were not here to well, they're not here, they're here to serve. And so I think that's the missing piece of it, that why, for example, Finesse, you had talked about the traffic stops and monetary gains from it. When did we get to a point where we're using money as a way for crime to build? So is there a reason why crime, why we're continuing not to stop crime or not to, I guess looking at crime as a sense of crime being more, there's being more crime. So like you said, the, the main point of police is to serve and I think that as I think we've gotten away from that if that makes sense Mm
2: -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I I like to play devil's advocate you know so I had to ask Mm -hmm. yeah no I have to to, you know know people are thinking it when they're listening to it or watching us and it's like okay well I gotta ask yeah (laughs) yeah and
0: and the thing yeah and I'm all about the people that are leaving because what I'm all, you know, because now we're talking about the Gen Z's and the Gen, whatever the Y, whatever's next, right. <laughs> it does. Well, it's nothing out of the Z, but bottom line is those individuals that are coming into this law enforcement now th- that's the next generation. Those are the ones mm. that, that have seen the George Floyd, the Michael Browns. And so they're coming in with this whole, we want to do better. You know, the, yeah. these are the kids who are coming in that had a black president. You know what I'm saying? So that that's who's coming in. So they have a whole they're they're more diverse, they're more inclusive. So they get it. There may not be up in as far as upper management, some of them right now, but the but the next generation of the new law enforcement of inclusive and diverse, they're in the building. They just may not be in positions of supervision or management, but they are in the building. I'm not saying that they're not already there and mm-hmm. some of the leaders aren't there, but these young folks that are joining law enforcement, they are joining for the right reason. I believe that. I really do mm-hmm. believe that. They're just more inclusive. They're not, I mean, I knew who was sitting, when I was in I was in law enforcement in the early 80s, I knew who was sitting across the table from me. Mm-hmm. I knew who he or she was, right, but I also knew that he was going to back me up. But also knew at the end of the day, I got my Prius, he got his F 50, 150, and we went out separate ways, right? My legs didn't get up under his his table, his legs didn't get up under my table. But we we were able to work together. That's all we're asking you to do. Do your job. It's just a job, you know. And so I think I think the next generation is gonna give us what we need.
1: Yeah, and then when you speak about the next generation, I think like that social situation of what's been happening, like you said, George Floyd, uh, Mike, Mike Brown, all of these things, people are watching. And I think they'll include that in their training as well. And that's why it's important that I think law enforcement get this worldview of training, talking to sociologists, reading the data, understanding people's psychology, all of this stuff is important because you're interacting with people. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I read this article where, um, and this has been going on for a while where there's like this militar- militarization of law enforcement now, rather than understanding of people, you're interacting yeah. with people, you're not out here com- combating war and not saying that the job isn't hard, right. but why are we using all of these intense weapons instead of putting these resources into providing mental health resources and helping law enforcement understand those types of situations?
0: Right. But let's get back to what you were saying earlier, because you were talking about the, the climate of it's always about we got to be tough on crime. I mean that mm-hmm. that the, the article by the Center for Police Guy Philip was talking about. You know it, that's the rhetoric. It's like we got to be tough on crime, and 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 if we don't pour money into police officers or the prison, we're going to see, you know it's going to blah blah blah. And but right. people are beginning to go, mm, no, maybe not. Ooh. But that's still the rhetoric that we hear.
2: Right. It, it you know and unfortunately that rhetoric. it it comes, it's very multifaceted, you know, like where it comes from. And what's horrible about it is that it's only multifaceted until it happens to you, until you lose someone, until something Mm -hmm. happens to you personally. Mm -hmm. And by that time, it's too late. And a perfect example of this, again, it being multifaceted. And I always think about the media, when I think about this, right? So we've already we've already talked about politicians, you know, misusing data. So that already gives data like you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you buy, you know right. because anyone can use it any way they want, and that includes it, for it to be unethical. But when you think about it, the media has a huge drive in how we look at the criminal justice, criminal justice reform, what's going on around you, and what's happening, and unfortunately. What we're seeing is just like this severe abuse from the media when it comes to crime reporting. You know, I saw this really interesting article about how the media had covered you know this this eighteen year old who was accused of rape, out of all things. He goes to trial. You know, he wins. He's completely innocent. But did the media follow up to see if he was okay and to, to report this? No, no, it didn't. It took his due diligence to say, hey either you report on this or I'm going to sue you, that they do, that they right. actually do that. So, wow. you know, and it's 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 heartbreaking. It really, truly is, because mm-hmm. the media could be doing so much better than what they're doing, yeah, you know? Man. But if it, at mm-hmm. least, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. what, I mean, that's been going on since the 70s. And they could be doing, you know, when whenever you were talking about, you, you had just mentioned something about, um, no, Kelly, you mentioned something that, Jogged my memory about community policing, right? Mm-hmm. So Biden was, Biden's huge on that. It's a huge catchphrase for him. And he has, he's he mixed for me, especially <laughs> because <laughs> the lack of criminal justice reform that he actually has implemented at <laughs> this point, also his history. So mm-hmm. I didn't go down a whole yeah. <laughs> But, you know, he put a lot of funding into community policing, right? And everyone's mm-hmm. like, well, what does that mean? And a lot of individuals were very um, worried that a lot of that money was going to go towards police instead of what Mm -hmm. it should be going towards, which is community prevention, such as mental health resources, such Mm -hmm. as housing, such as after-school programs. Um, And so just to really (laughs) make it full circle, it's like, okay, the media, and you could actually report on that. And I'm not talking about just a, a... four minutes stint of oh you know such and such police department was out today handing out ice cream. No you <laughs> should be doing yeah. <laughs> thinking about you know you know just let you guys know they're using data now. Um you please feel free to contact your local mm-hmm. police your police department for your annual reports or please feel free to, to talk about other policies or ideas that you may have. And so like I, I just really got this idea because after seeing John Oliver, who I absolutely adore on HBO, crime <laughs> mm-hmm. reporting, and I'm like, you know what? You are just so right. You know, that's another segment within our society yeah. are not doing their due diligence. They they're, mm-hmm. they're just fine, and it's very yes. very upsetting because they really do, they really impact us so much. And mm-hmm. again, what's sad is that they're not putting out what people need, and it's then it's too late. You know, right. it's, and, someone's already yeah. lost their child, or already lost,
1: you know, their mother, their father. Yes. Yeah. It's and it's
2: always it's always when.
1: So I remember a lot of conversation talking about, especially when um, I think especially with George Floyd, everybody was afraid that eventually the conversation would die down and we would stop talking about this. And so it's like with the media, like you said, and BJ, I remember you saying at one point as well, it's just like we take on these sound bites really quickly. A sound bite is the right word for it, but we take on this at this one particular moment. We talk about it for a hot second and then it's gone away. And I think that there needs to be some responsibility on their end to continue that conversation and to not let certain things just continue to pass. Oh, this is a moment we're talking about this now, and then we're moving on when people's lives are at stake. And so even with the data um, part of it, putting out inaccurate data to scare people as scare tactics. So it's like, you're over. So when we have one crime, when one particular crime happens in a community now, oh, everybody's out here to get you. And it's like, no, that's not true. So that's why this is a really good conversation that we're having. That people, um, I think communities should take ownership in looking at the data for themselves and not just listening to the media sound bites that talk yeah. about for a particular moment. So you have to look at it from the sense of, okay, so what happened in this particular crime? And is it true that people are out here just going crazy at the moment? Like, I don't, I mean, I just think that we, the data, you should look at the data before just listening to whatever statistic they're talking about.
2: But, you know, also him, Kelly, you make a huge point is that, you know, for me, for us, I would have to mm-hmm. say yeah, see for myself for a second, you know, growing up, I didn't have anyone who looked like us, who was, mm. in, you know, evidence-based policy yeah. that's new, you know, it's brand new. And, mm-hmm. you know, so to me, it feels like there's not enough ongoing conversation about it and how do you yeah. use it? And the importance and also the ethical compliance that we should have to know our audience and make it more digestive for them. Mm, What mm -hmm. bothers me is that when they're like, oh, it's on our website. So you'd expect for someone who has nothing in a background to go onto (laughs) their website and download, whether it's from a coding source, like I know earlier I was talking about Python. I exactly. Yeah. When I was listening. Like I don't know what you're about, but so. her baby's <laughs> Also, on our part, our responsibility to make sure that's reaching our community. to yeah. Be able to make that more digestible. And yeah. So I think it's really important that you know these institutions are putting out their a.m. reports and making them mm-hmm. available. They're explaining them. Yeah. You know and. Unfortunately, you know, BJ, you mentioned, like, not every police department has the funds to just have, like, an analytical, you know, section or a data Mm -hmm. section or a data working group. Like, no, like, I I understand that. But Mm -hmm. what's really difficult is that there should be, just like there should be (laughs) any working group, there should be, I know that there can't be um yeah. mm-hmm. another thing that's really interesting to me too is that and this is connecting this way really quickly uh is that I, I was reading an article it mentioned about community policing right getting out there knowing your community well mm-hmm. when you think about it and bj please you know and, and kelly if you know anything about this any type of department i've been a part of or read about they they just have just like this group of individuals who are responsible for community policing there's only a few officers. It's not <laughs> the whole squad coming through who mm-hmm. are trained, you know, which is understandable because, you mm. know, with the bandwidth that they may not have, not everyone may be able to take a take a moment and really get to know their full community. Yeah. So again, I think it goes back to BJ when you mentioned the lack of resources that really makes this an issue. But just to round it out, Kelly, you know, I yeah. think the point in that, you know, just to add on to that, is that mm, also our responsibility as researchers? Yeah, to make mm-hmm. it easier and understandable for other other audience. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's
1: what yeah. um, I was always taught as a scholar is just making sure you've got academic you, ac- academic can say an academic, but you also need to make it accessible to people to understand.
0: Yes, yes, um, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. That, and that I mean, you yeah. guys are hitting it all. I mean, you you guys are firing it up. I love it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, but that's the part that I kind of want us to talk about. There are several things I've been noticing. I've been putting put my head down. I've been writing notes. I want to get old. But you're right. We got to make it simple. And I think one of the, one of the part of the, some of the work that I do is trying to help community members know what to ask for. Mm. You can ask this of your law enforcement agency. Ask for a report. This is what you can ask for. Ask them if they're researching data, because one community I was saying, I was suggesting, I said, well, maybe you might want to ask the new sheriff uh, to give you some, some information on the, not only the demographics of who's in his jail, but what's the educational level? Mm. You know, how many people in his, in, his, in his jail don't have high school diplomas? Because that could probably give you some insight as to what's either not happening or should be happening in your local school. Mm-hmm. You know, so so what are the so if he if you can ask him to start tracking that, though, and, and you have a right to ask as a community member, because you want to prevent individuals from going into the jail, especially if they're juveniles. You want to find out. So why is this 17 year old sitting in, you know, this particular com- county, these small communities and and law enforcement is made up primarily of Mayberries. I mean, the minorities are agencies 500 plus. The bulk mm-hmm. of police departments in this country are less than 100 officers. So there. there's really, you know, so everybody knows everybody. And so mm-hmm. you can ask these questions, but you don't know how to, you either don't understand how to ask or what to ask for. So you're absolutely, you, both of you are absolutely correct. We've got to figure out you know, what I want to, you know, it's like, so just, I got a couple of things I want to say, but right, right, man, I kind of want to get you guys input on what are some ideas that you might have for a local community who's, who who an agency doesn't have this. So, okay, so local agency, you might not have a crime analyst, but I know a retired crime analyst who lives in the community. I mean, so what is it that you would suggest for some of these individuals who are looking at whether, cause I think police reform is gonna start at the small community in Mayberry. I, I just, that's just where it's not gonna, I mean, that's where, that's where we all are from and that's where police reform is gonna. So from your perspective as researchers, Working with law enforcement, what are some of the things that you think folks can at least start asking of their agencies mm-hmm. to be transparent? What you, That would help them kind of begin to go, oh, yeah, my police department is looking at stuff to, that's going to really have an impact on crime or the safety, whatever. So if you guys kind of talk about that for a minute, if you have some insight to that. Kelly, you want to go
2: first or you want me
1: to
2: ask mm-hmm. you <laughs> Um, (laughs) okay really quickly right right off the bat I would have to say that you know I think it's so difficult and it's we George Floyd was truly a a turning point for Mm -hmm. us color people it was because it gave us the voice and finally I guess you can say just like The here it is in your face that, yes, we can ask questions Mm -hmm. and we have questions and we have rights. And before that, I don't think that we've ever had that solid, concrete evidence so much so right into your face where it's just like, okay now we have questions. We have rights. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we're still in the beginning stages of understanding and realizing that we do have those rights, but we don't know what to do with them. I, I mm-hmm. Honestly, we don't know the extent to which we can take our rights and how to work with them and not be scared and to know that we also have our rights too. So I think that as color people, we're still trying to navigate that because we haven't utilized it before. You're asking us to utilize a skill set mm-hmm. that is to us. That's so fair. I think
0: mm-hmm. that is yeah.
2: an issue that we somehow need to get over, obviously through education. So. You know, with that being said, I think that's an awesome question. It's something that I really haven't even thought about on a local level because, like you said, BJ, because most of these departments are small, and it's everyone that you know, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. knows everyone. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also another issue because why do I want to complain if I know Jeff is, you know, my (laughs) panic and then his sister? So that. That, that's another issue.
1: In well, <laughs> no. well.
2: I think that it would be interesting to see, because even you mentioned BJ, like there are younger people, and Kelly, you mentioned it too, who are coming mm-hmm. in, making the workforce more diverse. Yeah. And it's almost like, and it's part of it, you know, like they should be stepping up and taking responsibility as well. Oh, and mm. just being more innovative I think that mm. innovation is a phrase that is lost upon within you know police departments giving um just the nature of what they do you know they're they're out there you know on the ground boots on the ground they don't have time for research they don't have time mm. you know, I mean mm-hmm. a call for service right now like yeah. I'm not, you know? so it's really right. difficult but I I would think too I would love to see universities and local colleges uh yep. who have criminal justice programs to start to reach out mm-hmm. to uh, the yeah. departments to work yeah. with them. Um yeah. I think that's great. And there's plenty of grant funding to do so. I know that uh oh God, is it Georgetown University in DC? I'm right outside of DC, <laughs> but they work heavily with the DC police department. Yeah. I mean, a lot, like a lot of hot. And so Mm -hmm. I I can only assume that, you know, colleges, universities can start taking Mm -hmm. up the reins and just being that support, that backbone for more innovation and evidence-based practices for Mm -hmm. uh, communities, whether it's local, whether it's urban. Um, So I think that'd be a great place to start as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wow. I that's, totally that's, agree. Oh man, awesome. That's great. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. I totally
1: agree because I remember um, sitting, I had the privilege of sitting in um, a criminology class, especially grad class, but um, also a couple of undergrad classes where we had officers come in and just sit with us, you know? And learn about what we were learning about and engaging with us in the conversations that we're having about social justice or criminology or what does it look like on an individual basis. And so Mm -hmm. law enforcement reaching out to the community in terms of that and entering the classroom, you know, getting that, like I said, the well-rounded viewpoint of people in general. And so I think that too, Vanessa, that was an amazing point that you made in terms of starting with the universities. because. We're going to school to learn about this stuff and that real world practice is really important. Um, in internships yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, having <laughs> students reaching out to police officers and creating that really well rounded community that involves officers, community individuals, and academics. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, <laughs> Another example of that, too, is like, I, I just call him Chuck, but he's the executive director mm-hmm. for her executive research forum. Right. I was speaking with him. He had just started a program with the Boston University, looking at internships for black mm-hmm. police officers. to so really yeah. like round out of the force, more so, obviously, the more people of color had mm-hmm. more diverse. You're really looking at better outcomes when it comes to interactions with citizens so they actually started that program too so Mm -hmm. I think that you know we were really starting to see academics you know start to reach out a little bit more and say hey what do you think about this what do you think about that um and kind of just more involved because it's you know the community can only do so much they can only go to so many Mm -hmm. you know gatherings or you know bj i'm sure that you know about a lot of events because police i mean honestly departments do host a lot of different events right Mm -hmm. but again that's only you know a certain department like this this you know small molecular level. Of the individuals who are doing the part for the entire force, and so you're not mm-hmm. really getting, you know, what the the whole coverage of what you need, and so I, I think that starting with, you know, educators reaching out and just having different programs would be
0: really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm glad you guys brought in the university because I was talking to a friend of mine. He was talking about the basic law enforcement training. Uh, That is basically the same across the country and one of the things that he said is the fact that they're not allowing academia to come into training. And just Mm -hmm. like you said Kelly what mm-hmm. are we doing as law enforcement? We're dealing with individuals, human beings, who are having crisis. So why mm-hmm. would I not want a university <laughs> who studies that stuff to tell yeah. me how to figure out how this human being is yeah. reacting, you know, yeah. and how I need to, to interact or mm-hmm. what I need to do to, to just relate to this human, because I'm a yeah. human and relate to this other human in this moment but you want to continue to have this, I've got the power. But then the the other piece of that with, with law enforcement that, that people have to understand, I can only, I'm only in front of you for so many minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I really can't, you know, because the thing that I, I, I promote on my web on my uh, website is Alternative to Violence Project. And this is an organization that started out as prisons and it talks about communication skills and, and all those types of things, getting people to understand how to communicate and solve the problems. Because one of the things we do as Black folks, we're constantly calling 911 to come into my house because I picked up my boo's phone and I found out he creeping. Oh, I found out she creeping, but and now you don't call the police in to solve this problem between the two of you. I don't really mm-hmm. want to be in the middle of that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I, only, you know, and I only probably mm-hmm. got five minutes to deal with a relationship that's been here for ten years. Yeah. So we, as as a, as a culture and as a people, we got to figure out how do we teach individuals, not just Blackfoot, but just people in general, how to solve their own problems without calling government into their space. Who has no idea what's going on? And because you know we walking into your house, we don't know you. We don't know what's in the kitchen. We, I mean, that might sound very dramatic, but as a police officer, I'm walking into your house. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and then I'm walking into your house, and people are angry, right? So there's all so so as a human being, I, I'm I'm watching because I'm like you know I don't want nothing to happen to me because <laughs> I won't <laughs> creeping, but. But see, we got to think about, it. so the thing is, how do we educate community members how to solve their own problems, those types of problems, without calling a popo into your space? And then when I kill somebody, now you're mad at me. I'm not saying that I should have done that, but what I'm saying is you brought me into this argument.
1: So I think it goes back to resources and funding um, and what yeah. type of programs that we're doing that are preventative, um, rather yeah. than at that particular situation when we do have to get to the point to call law enforcement so I'm thinking about social workers um putting more funding into that so that they're not overwhelmed with the caseload so that they can pay attention to the signs and be more attentive to people um they're doing a great job but I think that like with anything we need more funding um to be more to do better or to become what the community needs to prevent these from happening so that law enforcement doesn't have to get involved
0: see i mean and that goes to for me because and i I know you guys know this this goes all the way back to the 1920s right this goes back to the harlem the, the chicago riots the harlem riots the colonel report all and they all did commissions right everybody did all these little studies as to how do we keep these negroes from burning down stuff right and all of them said the same DNA. All those commission reports said, in order to help folks, you know, things be better, we need to increase living wages, education, health care, mm-hmm. police brutality. But nobody's mm-hmm. putting any money in it, right? Mm-hmm. So if we had, if, if our leaders had kind of said, okay, let's go ahead and, and take care of all of that, because we just want to be equal and be mm-hmm. okay. We may not be here, but everybody wants to put money in in prisons and law enforcement. But you knew back in the 20s when they were burning down buildings and the kernel reports and all that, that this would make our our America more equal Mm -hmm. and safer if you, and for me, it's education. Mm -hmm. For me, it's education because, you know, everybody going to go through the school building at some point, you know, everybody going to come watch Ray Ray play basketball. So my thing Mm -hmm. is, why can't all the resources be in that same building? Mm -hmm. and we and and now we know okay Ray Ray didn't do his math last night well it's because Ray Ray watched a dead body in the street all night long so why don't I have a psychologist in the building when he comes back to school I mean and then we can help him and the entire family you know process this and then at least give him his first 12 years give him a good first 12 years so he at least got a foundation But what we want to do this, you know, tough on crime, give it more, give give more police stuff and blah, blah, blah. So here we go. And, you know.
1: Yeah. And so that goes back to the prison school pipeline. Why are we putting funding in? Why are we studying kids to see how many more prisons to build rather than more employment opportunities in their communities? Like, it just, to me, that just doesn't make any sense be, and, and the crazy thing is, because like I said, I worked in a school system for five years. The kids know it when they look at their building and they see how damaged and how wow. things are not being kept up. They know that people don't care about them, you know. And yeah. so it's like you're creating a culture of, of children that by age, by fifth grade, know that the, their community or their government doesn't care about them you mm-hmm. know, because they're mm-hmm. not putting those resources into things that they need. Mm-hmm. You know? And our kids, like they're watching, they they watch the news. They ask about Mike Brown. They ask about George Floyd. Why did he do that? Why, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. so it's not that they're unaware yeah. of what's going on. They might not fully understand or comprehend or know the history about it, but they're aware, you know, mm-hmm. and so I think like there needs to be a responsibility for governments to put in those resources for the children, so then that we're not having to build more prisons, or not having to that well, we're not building more prisons and making money off of it.
0: That's what finesse was saying. It's all
2: about that capital. It's it, That's what it mm-hmm. is. You know, unfortunately, BJ, what you mentioned, it's like Frederick Douglass. Douglas was a libertarian. This is like, give me funds to be mm-hmm. get my two feet and then leave me alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> what he said, and guess what. There is still no equality for us. We are Mm -hmm. still fighting and this is the consequences of it. Our kids, you know, our families are just Mm -hmm. being torn apart. It is all about the money. Mm -hmm. And also when it comes to money, it's not getting into the right hands. You know, Kelly, when you're talking about about all these things that are needed, it's not getting into the right (laughs) hands. I mean, I, when, whenever I was in my undergrad, I tried social work for a little bit. You know, I had internships. If <laughs> I couldn't even handle the caseload then. I couldn't handle mm-hmm. it. It's just right. too much. So you're underpaying all these individuals, right? of mm-hmm. the like, mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- this makes me think of, too, is just like, you know, Kelly, when you mentioned diverting, you know, these calls for service to other Mm -hmm. professionals, such as mental health or, you know, what, what have you, it's just like, okay, well, how do you guys, I mean, it's a great plan. It really is. How do you plan on sustaining this if you're not even paying these individuals enough or really giving enough money to support the infrastructure? Oh, and Mm -hmm. then also, are you training the 911 call, like the the 911 Mm -hmm. respondent to answer the phone to know how to direct the calls? Are we even talking about that yet? Are y'all just going to it's going to do this and it's going to work. It's like, okay, but I don't quite know if you realize that this still isn't working. (laughs) Mm -hmm. working. not giving people enough fines and the people who need it the most to solve this problem. And it's just, it's just ongoing. Similar to Biden's criminal justice history and on, you know, (laughs) I will
0: never (laughs) stop that. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well you know what i i uh ju- i got a question i'm to ask you guys just a minute but i want to kind of talk finesse we're talking about you know the the alternative now calls right so we're doing that here in durham we're training the nine one one call takers as to where to send the resource because we now we have the person some group of individuals that will go instead of sending law enforcement but which i'm i, I support all of that but also what I'm, I'm asking the person, what I'm saying to the group, because I'm talking, I'm asking them for data.
2: So mm-hmm. let's say,
0: you, you know, you, you went to BJ's house 50 times. And now that I have this new group coming to respond, are you going less? Are you are law enforcement going after? You know, are they still coming afterwards? You know, I want to know, mm-hmm. because basically, just like you said, Finesse, you, all you did was put another cog in the wheel. Because if if because because police officers can refer BJ to the resources or the social worker, and so that's what the same thing this other person is doing. But if that resources and the stuff isn't there, isn't really solving the problem, and you've just mean, put another cog important. in the wheel <laughs> because the police because I can send somebody to a social worker as a police officer, but you just put this mm-hmm. other cog saying we're gonna send you to these resources too, but the resources aren't there mm-hmm. or don't have the capacity to help. So are we really making a difference? So that for me that's going to determine success or failure of these alternative people going, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So if we're going to do that, then you're going to have to build capacity on the back end because the capacity has never been there for long For Because we pick up the phone at at three o'clock in the morning and go, uh, we ain't got no beds. What's the difference for Mm the other one if you haven't done that? Right. So, I mean, you just kind of, anyway, so um, my producer wants me to ask both of you, the work that you're doing, do you get any pushback from people of color based on because, you know, you guys kind of kind of pushing the envelope as to where you, you know, like we're, we're kind of saying as a culture, we, we we need to stand up as a people. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to hear and it's uncomfortable. But you guys can say that because you got data that backs that, you know, what I'm saying like that the work that uh, Kelly is doing for me one of the things that we that I was kind of surprised we found out that one of the things that law enforcement runs the first thing they is they that we're finding out is the first resistance to law enforcement is just the verbal command. people are not even just do, a police officer saying if you would just do X we would be okay and people are failing to just do verbal command um so are you guys getting any resistance back on the work that you do when it comes to, you know, because we're, we're mainly talking about, you know, folks of color that we're talking about. Mm-hmm.
2: For me, I haven't, you know, I have a very strong personality <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> for over 12 years. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I'm an expert at this. This is right. what I do. This is my love. But I think right. that's important whenever I am talking to someone who is you know, of color, they know if I am telling you about yourself, it's coming from a good place. It's <laughs> right. a good place. Yeah. It's not
0: talking,
2: about right. it's talking about what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of data, you know, right before this phone call as well, well, not right before, but I was doing a little bit of research. Like, you know, I'm thinking about compliance, right? Because uh-huh. BJU you and you know 5 is all about compliance. So what right. you know, let's let's look at some research about compliance. Let's look at, you know, what makes individuals not compliant, what makes police officers not compliant or mm-hmm. compliant. And do you not know there's not like just a lick of research out there? There are like, not really <laughs> extensive research. It's all word of mouth. It's like, well, you mm-hmm. know, what we go through and we're tired. It's like, well, mm, we should have a bit, something a little bit more scientific to that right mm-hmm. like if you know the generation and kelly you know i'm sorry i don't want to speak for you but like if i'm not pushing the envelope who else is going to you what? know it, we have to push the envelope in order to make mm-hmm. some progress so again mm-hmm. if i have to break up something that's uncomfortable then i'm going to do it because i know that mm-hmm. i've come from the right place a good place in an ethical place and I'll keep mm-hmm. fighting the fight and saying what I want to say, because plenty of other people out there are doing it that aren't coming from the <laughs> place. Right. They're right. coming from the, the, yeah, the, yeah. To the people of color. Right. So, awesome. you know, mm-hmm. I, I really do think it's really important that we continue to have these serious and hard conversations. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool.
2: And I think um, to your question, I I definitely think
1: that having the academic side of it and understanding people. And so being able to say to a person, hey, like at the end of the day, you living is more important than whatever's happening, but I also understand why you're frustrated. So having that dual um, understanding and being able to understand why we're frustrated, having that conversation first, I get it, he pulled you, you've probably been pulled over multiple times, so you're frustrated, you're sick of why they're pulling you over. But at the end of the day, where where do you wanna be a day to day at home? <laughs> so I also think we also have to have faith in our justice system to be able to reach out to those, to take whatever's happening, whatever situation was to go to our justice system and re- be able to rely on them that justice is gonna be served as well. So I think um, that part of the community, the community also has to have that reliability with the justice system to do the right thing and have the right
2: outcome. So yeah. <laughs> so, so I have a question for you because mm-hmm. I have honestly I've, I've been looking at different things data related yeah. not not you know and I've been trying to really like just dig deep on this mm-hmm. and I just wonder what it's going to take for us to to really to to start to change our outlook on the criminal justice system because there's been so many horrible things. Mm-hmm. That used to occur and there is no right or wrong answer you don't even mm-hmm. have to answer me now <laughs> this question is for you too but it's just like how do we how do we switch that how do we make that switch within our community to really have some faith because as you know it's so hard to have it yeah I just don't I'm just really curious to know, Like, you know, and mm. I, I, I really, again, this isn't all about data, right? This is about yeah. just seeing people being on the ground, like, you know, being around your family, your friends, and, you know, mm. seeing what you see through the media It's you know, and there's not, again, there's not a right or wrong answer. And I still don't have yeah. the answer for it, but I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that. You know, like, what do you think that we mm. can do to really start to change our, our perspective?
0: Oh, see, yeah, uh, I, I, I want to take that one. No. I want to <laughs> take that one. I want to take that one. You're right. All we right. got to, okay. as right. a as a community, we got to change our perspective. You know, and and uh, I'm getting ready to release a film that talks about we law enforcement is not the same law enforcement as our ancestors, right? And we talked about the fact that a lot of individuals are leaving policing now. This is a prime opportunity. This this can be a movement for our allies and for Black folks to get into the justice system at every level. And when we're in the system, I mean, I think it was a woman, in, the Black female in Michigan, that just got appointed to a Supreme Court position as a judge and her great-grandfather was was lynched. So I think we're missing, this, this moment could be the moment that we're looking to change the justice system. Uh, NAACP Legal Defense said, the, the gateway to justice is the district court system district court, right? And so we mm-hmm. gotta look at, yes, individuals are leaving, but this is also an opportunity. We also have to remember that uh, white supremacy and elitist, white supremacy down in the South use law enforcement as a, as a way to step up, right? As a way to get money and, and wealth, mm-hmm. right? It was a way to do, it. so why can't we as black folks do the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. So every kid may not be ready for college, And law enforcement, you know, they play this thing, but it's all dangerous. It ain't okay. I'm not going to say that it's all about treating human beings like human beings or having crisis, right? Mm -hmm. And we're looking for people who who like human beings, customer service. You know, for the kid that's that's shoving you your your Big Mac Mm -hmm. who has a smile on the face, that's the person who needs to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they don't have to have a college degree. They're having ten thousand dollars signing bonuses, all right. You staying home with your mama, you can help pay the bills, you know. So we need to look at this as an opportunity, you know mm-hmm. that that this is a way for us to 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 get into this because this is where the power is. The power is in is in the judicial system. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, the, the the white do you know do you know the white guy who is uh, the tattooed white guy from the Capitol? F- F- what's his name? Fanoni, F- F- the you know what I'm talking I, about, right? I know exactly what you're
2: talking about.
0: Yes, okay. yes, of course. OK, OK, so so, so he, now I'm sure he's a really good guy. I have nothing against him. But what you got to understand is CNN hired him, OK? Mm-hmm. He just said the other day he was annoyed because there was no Republican at the memorial service for the Capitol, right? And he even basically said, I believe he said, I support Republicans. you got to remember, the industry is white males who are primarily Republicans. They've mm-hmm. already signed a thousand things and sent this to the leaders of our country. See, you're talking about journalists are missing this. So you got white, white male police officers who are mainly Republicans are saying to Republicans, y'all need to stop this rhetoric because we getting beat up.
2: Mm-hmm. They
0: hired this white guy. They didn't hire the black guy who deterred the protests from going in and killing some congressmen. They hired a white guy tattooed up who's speaking on behalf of the rest of the industry. Mm -hmm. And so we're missing an opportunity here as allies and black people that we need to come in, join law enforcement, become judges, become lawyers. And that's how we're going to change the mindset because this is our moment. I honestly truly believe this is our moment. This is our moment. And allies Mm -hmm. who believe in the true justice because what are they going to say? All of a sudden, man, you're going to say you don't support the police? you've been saying it for 400 years and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you know it's becoming more diverse it's becoming more inclusive and now all of a sudden you're going to say you don't support the popo mm-hmm. we're, we're missing an opportunity here wow that was powerful bj that was so powerful
2: <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so proud to be on this call with you guys as well because it's like we need we need more individuals who are in power who have a voice and who are willing to stand up and and to say something and that's yeah so
0: thank you yeah, for well, that. I, no no i, I appreciate it yeah we probably gonna have to do this again y'all because uh this, we calling up on a, we calling up on an hour look I ain't, I, ain't gonna call, I ain't gonna call nobody's name out who said i don't know what i can do two hours <laughs> well i think we did pretty good so this has been some good stuff y'all i i, I really appreciate it yeah so if, if either one yeah we 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 definitely got to Maybe yeah. you know we'll see something that that we want to talk about, but I think you know as we do this and and, and I, you know and Kelly's work. Maybe when we get through and Kelly gets through going through the Washington Post data and also mm-hmm. the uh, Finesse you were talking about the verbal. You know, we, I didn't realize that that was out there till till mm. uh, we kind of started looking. That they track yeah. that that the that the number one resistance is is just police officer telling an individual to stop. Mm -hmm. and that's the number one resistance so the thing is if you just simply comply you're probably going to survive this interaction and we just got to get people to understand that um you may not i mean you you may not like the way as a police officer i say you know sit down or or do this because Mm -hmm. i'm a human being because i want to go home too okay Mm -hmm. i'm not your auntie asking you to put the gun down i'm a police officer that's doing a job saying put the gun down so that 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 tone is gonna come across a little different than mm-hmm. your auntie asking you to put it down.
2: Absolutely. And that was the only thing that I found in the research was saying that what makes a citizen compliant or non-compliant is how a police officer is interacting or how oh. their emotions are being conveyed. And it's just wow. like like what you just said, like I you don't you don't know me. You don't know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Like, laughs> you're gonna be friendly whenever I'm going 50 over. Like, no,
0: you're not gonna that's not gonna happen. Um. So, so, so wait, minute, minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Wait a minute. So you're you're okay. Are you you're trying to find the, the data as to what makes a person not, not compliant? compliant? Is that what? Yes. You, you're you're looking to find what makes BJ okay. not compliant.
2: I'm I'm actually looking to figure out BJ. You pull me over, okay? And I, you say, can I say, you know, can I have your license registration? And I'm like, no, no, you can't. But why am I already acting that way?
0: Okay. It's because
2: of your body, you know, like how yeah. like, what, what's going on? Where, where's the lack of communication, right? Communication is key. You mentioned that multiple times, Kelly, you as well. <laughs> and so it's talking about this trying to figure out what is there, what what is the missing link? We know communication is, mm-hmm. but what is about that interaction that is making a citizen noncompliant? So I, I think part
1: of it too, is just the understanding of the history. So people are frustrated, you know, right. and that comes across as very much. So there I've been, you don't know the situation. You could have been stopped multiple times over the day. You're stopping me for what, what did I do? You know, mm-hmm. you're stopping me over something minor. Why am I being stopped over something minor? If I could get it fixed, I would have gotten it fixed. Right. And so people are frustrated. And so I think, um, immediately when you see in law enforcement, you're kind of like, man, what is he stopping me over for? You know, and I think that totally. that's part of the initial interaction. And then that's perceived as enforcement. Well, you have an attitude with me now. Well, I have an attitude because of what I've seen on the news or yep. what I've read in books or yep. what yep. I witnessed with George Floyd. And so, for yeah. example, think about it this way. Yep. George Floyd was killed and then you get stopped the next day you probably on high alert as a a civilian. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who, you know? And so I think, like I said, I think that both sides need to really look at the situation and what has happened prior or happened in that person's life to kind of lead them to not complying, you know? Right. but and I also like you said, BJ, there's only 20 seconds, so we can't do that in they 20 seconds.
2: People, they're, <laughs> they're there to get yeah. there, get in and out, do their job, be safe mm-hmm. for themselves and the citizen. Yeah. And get that, but I'm also curious about the compliance rates before George Floyd as well, mm. you know. And it's just really frustrating because mm-hmm. for us, even when I got pulled over last time, I was just like, okay, here we go, you know. Like, <laughs> Let me talk about
1: <laughs> okay. there's a heightened awareness in our
2: community
0: yeah. like beep, up, like that in an instant in an instant yeah so, yeah yeah it is i mean it, it yeah and i, I know we kind of probably running over, but the, i had a friend of mine who, who's a black female police officer she said as she was walking to the car with a black female and her black son she mm-hmm. literally heard the woman say oh it's a black police officer like she was getting, it seemed as though if she mm-hmm. was to imply she would have been having a little bit of an attitude if it had been a white officer. So it's all uh-huh. of this compounding, yeah. everything that's going on. They're fearful, the conversations around the table, the talk, all of that mm-hmm. has an impact. But we got to figure out that I try to tell that that white officer is walking up to your car. That's not children. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even know that that guy, that, that white boy probably going home, laying down with a woman darker than me. You know, but you're okay. judging him. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 we don't know that. But you but you but you dogging this white boy out yeah. who is biracial, you just don't know that. And and so one thing is try to interact with the with however that officer is interacting with you. If he's interacting with you in a professional mm-hmm. manner, then you you gotta go with that. And they're just doing a job. Mm-hmm. You know, but I get it, you know, like you said, because Kelly's Kelly had to kind of have a little Little come to Jesus meeting with me. She's like, DJ, you gotta remember that everybody's you know kind of emotional, and you gotta try to make sure you understand and stuff. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever, Kelly. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so anyway, it, so just so we can start wrapping this up, this has been fun, and I think, Vanessa, if, if you don't mind, I would like for you, if you, when you do get that research, and if we run across it while we're doing the work that we do, that could be something we could come back and talk about. You know, what is it that you know our history that makes us non-compliant. And it just may be, it's just the climate right now. I mean, it just simply may be the climate because I do these presentations and I'm actually looking at Black mothers with tears in their eyes going, I just simply want my Black son to get home. That's it. I mean, it's it's just, even if they've never had an interaction with law enforcement, it's this climate that has raised this emotion within us and our ancestors' DNAs in us, and we're just emotional because of what. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the media is feeding this to us. Yeah, Lieutenant. Not real quick, Lieutenant Nazario. You watching a guy in Windsor that said that he was tased. I mean, he got sprayed. Check check it out. He. Um, but the thing is that, as you say, nobody goes back in. They asked him fifty times to get out of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. But the media makes it look like uh, he stopped and then they maced him. I'm not saying that the officers did everything correctly. Yeah. I'm not even. There was some stuff that they should not have said and should not have done. But the way the media is portraying it, the officers are totally wrong. They asked that man fifty times to get out of the car. I counted them. Mm-hmm. But yet they're they're making it look like he was the victim. I mean, I'm not saying that you know that they were they they did some things that were unprofessional, right? But I I can't ask you 50 times, sir, to get out the car at some point. Yeah. I got to do my job.
2: <laughs> you know, it's
0: some yeah. And that's yeah. the problem. I think that
2: and oh, may I may I just say it? <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. So be ready. Yeah. Okay. I'm not trying to say that our community is all about being the victims, but at some point I'm tired of being the victim and I want to have control is right. what I'm trying to say. Because don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that we're not victims, but at right. some point I want the control. I right. want to be the person who says, yes, I'll get out of this car. But by the way, what's your badge number? And what's your right. partner's badge number? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and then I'm taking it to a whole nother level. There like, you, you go. go. Your job.
1: Yep.
2: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> that's
2: where yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep. so yep. again yes. i'm not trying to say that you know we're not victims we will forever right. be victims i'm trying right. to take my power back I'm trying to take right. it to the next mm-hmm. level right and, i'm about to take uh, all your money and you, i'll mm-hmm. be passing you I'll be, I'll be passing you while you're sitting on the street how about that yep. that's what yep. i'm
0: trying to do. <laughs> yeah and, and finesse thank you and we're going to close on that that's the other part too that is black people, and I try. To, that's another part of my job. It's like you guys can file complaints because what, what you what you got to remember is that officer got a mortgage. That's a job, you know. Mm-hmm. So so trust and believe. If you check me as a police officer, I'm either gonna stop doing what I'm doing or continue to doing it at some point. A police executive like me is just sitting there, sometime waiting for. I just need one more complaint to get rid of Kelly. I just need one more complaint to get rid of Kelly. Not but me. I can't get rid <laughs> <with Kelly." laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but I can't get the black yeah. community to file a file a complaint because they don't think anything is going to happen. And I'm trying to let mm-hmm. you know. I'm just all y'all need to do is tell me because I'm at home at three o'clock yeah. as a police executive. I don't know. Tell me I got one out there that I need to get rid of. But y'all got to file the complaint first. That's mm-hmm. how you do the pro- just like any any job. Give me the complaint. Let me validate it, and I'm gonna go make them sell ice cream. But mm-hmm. I got to know first. So yeah, that's the got- power yeah, yeah. That's the and then power. you
1: gotta make it home first but you gotta make it make home it home
0: yeah but we'll take care of that we'll take care of it yeah all right i keep saying we're gonna end this but we keep let's keep bringing up stuff i don't know. Really just finesse, like i got one more thing to say yeah. so uh finesse i'm gonna let you start out is anything you want to close out with for us i just want to say thank you so
2: much bj for for having me and as well i keep saying them, but i don't say for you kelly but i've always have so much fun talking to you guys. This is the second time. Oh my gosh. I had a conversation <laughs> and I, 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 both of you are so impressive and just thank you so much for having me on. And I hope that I can be back on, you know, I also learned from you, you guys, and if it's not, you know, BJ, if it's not, you know, it wasn't for your, your podcast and what you're doing, then we're not having these important conversations mm-hmm. to elevate, you know, black and Brown um individuals. So thank you so mm-hmm. much.
0: Yeah. thank you finesse it's very kind of you
2: kelly
1: yeah i, I just want to say thank you guys vj thank you as always you keep me involved with the criminal justice side and doing what i love to do and my passion and finesse i will always be a fan girl for you girls so
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you are just amazing like oh my gosh you're amazing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> kelly could not when we when we first met kelly just could not stop talking about you yes you um, just keep doing
1: what you're doing right? You, yeah. you're amazing you're an inspiration
2: yeah. right, in we're we're gonna get there together <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you yeah.
0: thank you to you both and and um i hope uh, to, uh, to our listeners you've heard something that that you can use um again i'm pretty sure I always say that, and I'm going to bring some of the guests back, but these two definitely will come back because I, the work that we're doing has to do with data, teaching people how to use the data to help police reform. So these two, the three of us will definitely be back uh, later on this year to talk about stuff. So I appreciate it. So as always, uh, Kelly and Finesse, thank you so much for for joining me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the conversation. <laughs> um, so for the listeners, thank you for those of you that are always supporting you and Five-O. Um, Be on the lookout. February 25th, uh, I will be releasing a film called uh, Hashtag Humans, H-U-E-M-A-N-S, A A Guide to Get Home. Uh, It's actually going to be kind of a digital, the talk. So if anybody wants to, uh, at Mm -hmm. five o'clock on February 25th, that will be released for the community members across the state and the country. Hopefully we'll take a look at that and help you uh, get home safely. So for those that have always supported me, thank you very much for those that are joining us for the first time as we do this podcast in Durham, North Carolina, the Bull City. As always, stay safe, stay well, and peace.